0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton, and you can find me on Twitter at Claytsafc uh it's a solo wolves review uh like we tweet i think we mentioned it on the on the friday stream um where we previewed the wolves game and we said we've got a busy schedule coming up so i'm doing it was meant to be yesterday but i was a fucking idiot and i left my laptop in the office so uh, i couldn't actually do it on sunday so sorry about that but yeah doing the wolves review today solo and uh it's not just going to be the uh informal chat i've actually gone and um you know how Nima and I always do the proper reviews, looking at the stats and stuff. I've gone and actually put all of that together. So, uh, yeah, that would be good fun doing it the kind of old school way uh, for the longer term listeners. Uh, so, yeah, doing this now, obviously, live, uh, and I'll get round to shouting out the guys in the chat in a second. And tomorrow we're doing the Luton preview. Uh, so, obviously, we're playing tomorrow night. So, I think we're planning on doing the Luton preview pod at, a, um, at midday tomorrow. So, hopefully, that will be out plenty of time to consume before the game. Uh, and then on wednesday we're both doing the Luton review together as well uh and then friday we'll both be previewing the villa game so um yeah it's a busy week for us and uh, for anyone that is watching live i, I don't usually do these plugs because i find them extremely awkward but um it is a it, it's a very time-consuming effort for us to um do these streams and I know it doesn't look it but um it takes a lot of time to kind of coordinate the time pull together all of the data the slides everything um so if you are watching and you you enjoy it or you're a longer term listener if you could drop the the stream a like uh, if you're new here if you could subscribe because you enjoy anything to do with our channel uh, it helps us a long, it helps us a lot and helps us go a long way so um yeah just get that out there early doors but um yeah before enough of the plugs the uh, the actual game right Wolves was um Great result. Uh, Well, result, I think, flatters uh, Wolves massively. Um, And yeah, I think it was something like we'll get onto the kind of lineups, the way the game went, individual uh, players, performances and stuff like that. But fundamentally, we were riding such a high after walloping Lens or Lons, if you want to be cultured, 6-0 and went into Saturday brimming with confidence uh, and general feel around the day was good as well. Like I am, um, obviously it was a Saturday three o'clock game in the UK, which I always love. Um, it's just so nice being able to, uh, yeah, it's old school, right? It's old school Barclays. Like go, go down to the manor, uh, have a few drinks with your mates, uh, have a fry up. Uh, yeah, it was good. I loved it. Uh, and the general vibe around the stadium was actually good as well. Cause I've felt it's been a bit, off and flat this season um i think there's an element of kind of people just taking for granted how good we are and just that kind of level of expectancy is there now and yeah the the vibes have just felt a little bit off whereas uh and i know people have said they felt it was that way on saturday as well but uh a dream- in the game but prior to the game the vibes around the pubs and stuff was good really good so best it's been in a while so um, yeah it teed up to be a nice day and then obviously got the three points and we're top of the league so um what i'll do before i go into the kind of detail review of everything just shout out some of the guys in the chat so uncle mike's in afternoon lads uh it's just me today uncle uh so yeah nemo will be back tomorrow but hope you're good mate looking forward to psv away with you next week uh got aaron in Plonka. afternoon all hope you're good mate uh, and my, oh, afternoon, mate. Hope you are. Yeah, all good, mate. Thank you. Uh, so let's go f- through and review the game. So, uh, lineup came out, and in my predicted 11, I basically had the same team as the Lens game, essentially. But I thought, yeah, no, I did have the exact same team, actually. Um, so Trossard obviously came in for Havertz, and it was one of those when the team came out, I was very much like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of it's a game where there'll be tight spaces. You can have someone that can manipulate the ball in those spaces and try, yeah, exactly that, to be honest. Um, but it was one that I thought, given Havertz had scored in back-to-back games against uh, Brentford and Lons, uh, I thought he would just roll with it, to be honest. I thought he'd give him Wolves, um, try give him an hour, get himself a couple of goals, and then keep him fresh for Luton, then Villa, but uh, he obviously made the decision that this is just my opinion. I, I assume it was because he thought Trossard stylistically would help us in tight spaces in that game and give Havertz a bit of a breather. Um, so yeah, team team was out. And uh, yeah, strong, right? It's just, you, you look at the team and there's like fucking giants everywhere. It's the mix of power and technique, which... Uh, yeah, it's quite hard to get right in football, but we're, we're doing it. Uh, Tomiyasu kept his place at right back. Zinchenko performed at left back, who I'll talk about in a bit. Um, but obviously the news on Tomiyasu is he did go off. Um, and I can't remember specifically what the line was, but it was something around. He went off with calf fatigue, supposedly, or they're hoping it's calf fatigue. Um, but he'll have a scan done today and then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the prognosis is there. Um just got Pontus is in the chat. Hello, mate. Hello, lads. Uh Pontus is top of the FPL league as well. So nice one, mate. Keep that up. Um, uh, but yeah, lineup comes out and uh, I'm feeling good. I think I predicted on my on the stream on Friday, I thought we'd win 3 1 in this game because I thought we'd dominate the ball. Um we actually played better than I thought we would. Uh that's the best offensive performance I've seen from us in the Premier League this season, in my opinion. I what I saw in the first half, like I texted Uncle Mike, I um I have been feeling a little bit pessimistic about the whole the attack will click, the attack will click, if I'm being honest, uh, compared to the average fan. but And I know it's a small sample size, but what I saw in that first half has really encouraged me. I feel like we're just de- defensively, we are, if we can cut out individual mistakes, we are the best defensive team in the league. Like no debate about it, in my opinion. Uh, and then you blend that with what we can do offensively. And yeah, I'm starting to feel quite confident again domestically anyway Um, Champions League I've always been confident in (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah so lineup comes out and uh, I guess what I'll do I'll go player by player so David Raya thought he was good Um, didn't have too much to do but there were a couple of times I want to say like zinchenko maybe gave the ball away and huang was running through and he kind of held his ground quite well it stood tall, forced them into a mistake essentially um so he did great there uh his distribution was good he mixed it went short and long when needed to i loved it at the end when we were a little bit under pressure and a ball comes into the box and he's just there he claims it he's big and tall when he catches it. And I could see it when it was going into the box. He's proactively out. And uh, yeah, I really liked that from him. Thought he, I thought he was good on um, on Saturday. And it's just a shame that he didn't get his clean sheet because I thought it deserved, he deserved it. Um So yeah, we'll get on to that in a second. Tommy Asu uh, thought he was good. I thought he was really good, actually. And uh, what I liked was his involvement in Saka's goal where Odegaard, it felt like there was more of that natural right hand side right hand side chemistry and you saw where odegaard was drifting out tommy asu actually went into the half space Saka then weaved his way through um and yeah i thought tommy asu was just really good up and uh, offensively and defensively so it's a shame because he's in it's a shame about his injury because he's been in such a good groove recently um but yeah let's see it's something that we know with him he can sometimes his body lets him down sometimes, so yeah, fingers crossed it's not too bad. Uh, got my man Bobby Loves in the chat. Afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good, mate. Uh, center backs Saliba and Gabrielle. I just want to shout like, I thought Saliba was um, it was good, like, did what he needed to and stuff, but obviously got the yellow card, which was a bit frustrating. I can't recall him getting many yellow cards. I, yeah, I just Seems a bit alien that he actually gets them. But Gabriel, I thought he was phenomenal on Saturday. There's something about this team and where like their technical level is unbelievable. But there's something about that grit and that that doggishness in them where they just love to defend. And you saw it with Gabriel against Lons where I think it was literally the last minute of the game. We're fucking six nil up and he's going and going mad when he um when I think he cleared the ball or something. um. So, yeah, absolutely love that. And there was just, so, I just, it was very niche things that I noticed in the game on Saturday where I was there, where the ball went up for a 50 50 duel in the air and he just bang clatters into it. And you can tell he loves it, absolutely loves it. And I think him and Gabriel, uh, sorry, him and Saliba together as a partnership, they are so well suited to each other. The way they complement each other is absolutely phenomenal. Like the squad building is top, top quality. Uh, and, Uncle Mike's just added to about Tommy. So yeah, Tommy's been a really good, been really good. Um, It'll be a blow if he misses a few games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so yeah, spoke about the three of the back four and then Zinchenko. So (laughs) I thought on the ball periods in this game, he was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Some of his line breakers, everything you know about him, the kind of Hollywood style he's got. Obviously, he played a key part in the second goal, right? That goal was absolutely orgasmic, like picks the ball up. One, two with Jesus, perfectly weighted, quick movement, zipping it in and around. Wolves couldn't live with it. Cuts it back to Odegaard. And as soon as it's coming to Odegaard, you know, bang, goal. We've seen that goal multiple times, but it was Zinchenko's role in that. And that's what you know he can do. His technical level is unbelievable. It's just every now and then... He, he, Okay, I'll just be frank. He pisses me off. He really fucks me off sometimes. With, I think it's... I don't know what it is because, sure, we all know about his potential blind spots in terms of him defending um, and how he can be targeted, but that's not what pisses me off because that is something I just accept as a limitation of a player for the upside you get of him. What pisses me off is when he holds onto the ball too much and... He's like, I think he's a bit arrogant. Like, I think, I, might, I may be wrong. Let me know in the chat what you think. Um, but I, I find him incredibly arrogant um, and complacent sometimes. And it, it just fucks me off because this is a game where, again, I said at the start, 2-1 flatters them massively. This should have been a 4-5-0 game. Um, and on one hand, that is the attack. And on the other, sure, it's defensively, you make mistakes like this. But uh, it's just it's just annoying. Like, yeah that, that's it it's very annoying and i get it it's part and parcel of what he is uh and what he brings to the team but i know aaron you um if you're still in the chat you tweeted me on saturday that if timber was fit it's probably his place right or something along those lines and i i think that's exactly it and we've seen tom Yassu at left back in certain instances Uh, And I think for certain games and game states, that is where Arteta wants to head. And we've seen it before, right? Zinchenko will start a game. Tommy will come on at left back to see out the game. So it's nothing new to us. It's just incredibly frustrating when you can see a game like that where we are all over it. And it wasn't just for the goal he gave it away. There were a few times in that game I said to my mate I was sat with, like, he's doing my head in. Um, He was just forcing it when he didn't need to. I think... The forcing it is great with him when you need it to happen because he's someone that takes that bravery. But again, keywords when you need it to happen. I just feel like there's sometimes where he forces it when you don't need to. And he needs to be a bit more intelligent about his selection. Um, so yeah, he was, he was annoying me, to be honest. But uh, if Tomiyasu is out... Uh, so originally, I thought it would be White and Tomiyasu at fullback against Luton because Luton's main, and to be honest, only threat, Uh, famous last words, but uh, it comes from crosses. Uh, So I thought they would really target Zinchenko for that, and hence it would be White and Tommy. But if Tommy's out, then uh, it will be White and Zinchenko. And obviously it's not a problem because on the ball, we should have more than enough to dispatch them, but it's just something to be uh, conscious of. Uh, Midfield three, so Declan Rice. Like, I feel like every week I just use the same copy and paste, copy and paste, but I don't want to do that today. He... He deserves his own five minute segment every episode. He is a fucking monster. Like his ability to read the game is up. There's one of the best I've ever seen, honestly, like that might be hyperbolic, but I think he's absolutely phenomenal with how he reads the game. There's one clip. I can't remember who it was for wolves, but they're about to pass the ball in and he reads it before the guy even thinks about playing the pass and he's there and he's banging and Every duel. I just feel like that the whole... We've been saying all season how good we are defensively, right? And teams don't create chances. It's because you look at get the unit of Gabriel Saliba Rice. Oh, fucking good luck, mate. It's um, Yeah, he's an absolute freak. And I still think... Uh, I saw tactical tweaks in how we progressed the ball from midfield in this game, which I want to talk about. Uh, so I still think there's something for him to... Work on there in terms of ball progression centrally, but off the ball, he is he's made us a monster. And uh, this is what again, the thing I've been consistent on all season is I believe this Arsenal team is tailor made to go and do well in the Champions League. Um, and it looks like it's clicking domestically too, offensively. So, um, yeah, and then either side of Rice was Trossard and Odegaard, and uh, we'll talk about. Do you know what? I'm going to keep Odegaard for later because I've got a slide specifically on him because I thought this was an absolute masterclass from him. Um, so I'll keep that for the end. Um, but Trossard, I I thought he was good, uh, but I think I may be on my own in terms of how good I thought he was. I saw people saying it was like a Santi Cazorla-esque performance and uh, really raving about him, but... <sighs> I thought he was good, but I thought he was giving the ball away a few times. And I thought his decision-making was a little bit off. And I thought he wasn't making the right runs when he should have been and stuff. So I wasn't as high on him as everyone else was. Uh, And that's not a criticism of him. I just thought he was good. That was it. Um, And there was actually a period in the, uh, I want to say it was the second half, where it was when Martinelli had gone off and Trossard actually went out wide. And uh, I can't remember specifically what had happened, but Trossard picked the ball up on the wing uh, and was running towards his fullback, but he was kind of dilly-dallying a little bit uh, and then gave it away. And the ball went out to Arteta. And I don't know if anyone's seen this. Arteta grabbed the ball and he gave Trossard the biggest bollocking ever. And then it was shortly after that, Trossard went in on goal and he kind of fluffed his potential chance. So I don't know if there's anything in that, but I just found that quite interesting, uh, considering at the time, uh, it was two 0 to us, so uh, yeah, it just shows Arteta's our, our standards, right? Um, but yeah, I thought Trossard was good. Uh, didn't think he was Santi Cazorla esque, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, let us let, again. Let me know what I, what you think, because um, I always think sometimes I might may, maybe on my own and see things a bit differently. Uh, and then front three, Pfft. and uh, yeah, the front three was just magnificent. Martinelli, like there's narratives doing the rounds in FPL Twitter. And yeah, I offensively, I don't think we've been our best this season in the league, but it's because of the, the deep blocks that we have to face. Like statistically it is proven. We face uh, literally statistically looking at meters. We face the deepest defensive blocks in Europe. Um, And that is a big reason why offensively on the eye, the fluidity has been off and we've not been uh, so great this season, but, I think when you look at someone like Martinelli, uh, you see in the narratives doing the round, you can tell a lot of people didn't watch this game because something looked different with us. Uh, and he nearly scored, right? Like, It was that I, f- I can't remember how close this was, but I feel like Zinchenko gave the ball away. Martinelli ran back like a fucking dog to win the ball back. And I remember it was like my side of the pitch. I was like up out of my seat clapping it because it's absolutely phenomenal defensive play. And then I want to say it was it was quite soon after we went up the other end and Saka's with the ball on one flank, and plays it completely across to Martinelli, and then that's when he does that amazing like shimmy out with one foot and takes a shot almost in the same action, and unfortunately it hit the post. Uh, and that's something that you've seen he's um, he's been working on quite a lot. Um, and I don't know if that's a coaching thing, but like shifting the ball out, getting a shot away pretty quickly because they don't our wingers don't get space anymore, right? So their actions are very key. Uh, and quick, uh, sorry, not very key. Well, they are key, but they, what I was going for there is their actions are very quick and they have to make them under lots of pressure. So, um, yeah, really good performance from him. Um, I, f- I feel like it's coming with him. I know his output's not been the best this season, but we've had lots of chopping and changes in the front line. We're playing deep, deep blocks um, and we're having to tweak the way we attack, in my opinion. So, yeah, really good performance from him. Uh, and then Jesus, uh, it's interesting, Ian, I thought he facilitated extremely well. Um, And I think that is part of what allows Odegaard to drop deeper and tie things and progress the ball from midfield more, which I want to talk about later, like I said. Um, Because you've got some... I think it's... In my opinion, Odegaard this season has been playing... Hassan speaks about this, uh, our good friend that was on before. Odegaard has been playing as... Well almost like a striker this season in terms of his starting point. He's literally in the final line. And I think a lot of that is because Jesus hasn't been available to facilitate that in the final third. So Odegaard's been there to try and help in that aspect. Whereas now Jesus is back. Odegaard's naturally dropping deeper to facilitate things. And then he's going back to what he does best. His strength comes from arriving into space, not already being there, in my opinion. Uh, And you look at that goal that he scored. And you think, how many times have we seen that It's a cut-and-paste goal? Um, And I think a lot of that is linked to Jesus being back, in my opinion. Um, And I thought Jesus, his uh, contribution for Saka's goal was absolutely brilliant. Like, the way Saka goes out into the wide area, minimal gap, threads it through to Jesus. And this is what I always say. People talk about target men and natural number nines. What Jesus does for Arsenal is so unique and it ties together the whole midfield and attack. I don't think people realise, and even like you get fucking idiot rival fans, are like, oh, he's not going to score enough goals for an Arsenal number nine. We don't need him to score. We don't need him to be a bagsman. We are able to score enough goals as a team over a campaign without a traditional, in air quotes, number nine, because of what he facilitates elsewhere. Um, so I, I thought it was a really good performance from him. And even his pressing off the ball. Uh yeah, top quality. Uh so happy he's back. Just n- really need to keep him fit uh because he's uh pivotal to what we can do this season. Uh and then yeah, Bacayo, he um for Mr. not having a best season, he's not doing r- he's not doing too shabby, is he? Uh key actions every single game. Uh, I can't remember what the stat was, but I read a stat somewhere about like his goal contributions always being either an equalizer or a winner. Um and uh, sorry, equaliser winner or like to put Arsenal in front. So it's always like decisive, important actions and goals. Uh, and yeah, I thought he was good. He, he was really good on Saturday. It was nice. Saturday just felt offensively like, yeah, th- this is us. This is what we're capable of. Um, so yeah, that was the kind of player by player. Uh, I'll go through and review all of the stats now. But uh, before I do that, just had to, just seen there was a few comments in in the, sh- in the chat. It's got Bobby Love saying, yeah, shame for Tommy. Was hoping he'd hold that right-back position until he left the Asia Cup and it kept White healthy. Yeah, good shout. Hadn't really made that connection, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, yeah, just really good shout. That is a shame. I hope it's not too bad. Uh, Bobby then saying, bozo moments. I think that's in reference to Zinchenko. Uh, Uncle Mike needed that third goal. Think they would have packed it in. Yeah, agree. Uh, we could have, should have had it as well. Uh, Obviously, Nketiah came on and hit the post. Uh, Trossard should have done better. Uh, And even, although my mind is failing me now, uh, I know we had other clear chances, but it was more like territorially. It felt like we were in their zone that they didn't want us to be frequently. Um, And I think that's where we should have probably done more to go and get that third goal. And uh, Who was it on match of the day? It was either Arteta or Odegaard saying... Like when you look at the game state, the stats, it's something that we want this to be a game where we then go and make it 4 5 and not 2 1. So they're aware of it, uh, obviously. So I think that's the thing I love about this team. It's like every problem we as fans feel we encounter, they always go and solutionize it. Um, yeah, remember back in the day, it's like the obvious errors with Arsenal and the obvious holes that needed fixing would just constantly stay like how many times did we need a defensive midfielder uh, it feels different under this regime uh uncle michael's adding 72 out of 76 pass completion uh 17 final third passes uh i who, remind me who was that about mike was that zinchenko maybe um can't remember sorry mate uh, and then Pontus saying he agrees about the arrogance from Zinchenko. He knows how good he is on the ball and gets away with it sometimes. Uh, yeah, that's essentially how I feel as well. Bobby Love saying, seen a stat comparing Rice's decision-making to Rodri and Kai Sado's. He hasn't been booked yet. Rodri clocked his fifth at the weekend and is now suspended midweek. Mate, you're, you're bang on. It's Rodri gets away with fucking murder, mate. He honestly, and Kai Sado's not in the same league. Uh, conversation wise I think Rodri has be uh, I think rice has been the best midfielder in the league this season and comfortably uh I'm not talk- taking into historics of what Rodri has done and his ability and stuff but rice this season has been a different level uh and I think if Rodri was refed properly I don't think you'd be having the same conversations uh and finally before I go on to the stats pont is saying six out of seven. Six or seven out of 10 from Trossardi was good, but not brilliant. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, it wasn't just me uh, and Mike just confirming that stat about the passes uh, was Zinny, indeed. Nice one. Thank you, Uncle Mike. So uh, looking at the match stats. So yeah, it's interesting because you look at different models and uh, yeah, different models and you see different stats. So for the sake of consistency on this pod, we always use mark our stats spot, right? And uh, I'll just read them out before we talk about game state and all that good stuff. But uh, obviously, final score, 2-1 to the Arsenal. XG had us down on Mark's model as 2.7 to 1.19 for all. The threat was 2.01 to 0.85. Possession, 56 to 44. Uh, Phil Till FC, my favorite trophy, 79.1 to 20.9. That's absurd. Uh, and defensive action height was 57.1 to 39.8 uh and you you look at that and like xg wise it looks closer than it felt uh but then i've seen other models where uh the xg philosophy i think it was like we had an xg of over three walls was less than one uh fop the app that i use to look at like our lineups and all of that they've got us down as 2.89 to their 0.71 so Uh, I think it, like, yeah, it always depends on what model you use. But more to the point, this game, especially first half, absolute domination. It was scintillating. Like, one thing, I I was on um, Planet FPL today and I did the main pod and I said there were certain games this season, like Chelsea away, Brentford away, where I thought our technical level just started a bit poorly and we gave the ball away. There were sloppy passes, underhit passes. Against Wolves, I felt like it. Were, you could just tell we were bang on it. Every pass was crisp to the player or just in front to instruct them where to move. Um, and, okay, Grant, I know we scored in the sixth minute, but I actually thought Wolves set up pretty well um, in that first few minutes. And then, obviously, we go and get the goal. And Arteta talks about game state a lot, right? Uh, we got the goal and then it's like, okay, good luck. Like playing, coming to N5, playing against the Arsenal, you're 1-0 down in six minutes. Yeah, let's see what you're made of now. Um, and that's how it just felt. And you can see it from the graphs I've got on the screen. Like, uh, scored one with Saka, brilliant goal. Uh, slightly fortunate, but I think it was well worked to make that luck. Uh, and then the second goal, <laughs> I know I touched on it already. You're absolute masterclass. Like, it was just Beautiful. It's that's what you call a classic Arsenal goal, right? Um, and it's 2-0 after 13 minutes. Oh, I'm thinking with f- oh and also I just have to say VAR like just I'm not someone that in the game holds myself back from celebrating, thinking, oh, this may get ruled out because of VAR. I just go for it, I feel my emotions. Um but then it went up on the screen that it's gone to VAR and I'm thinking for god's sake man like no one from Wolves was complaining or put their hand up like it was offside everyone just carried on uh but anyway it stood and I'm there thinking jesus christ it's 2-0 13 minutes gone it's going to be another slapping like lons uh and it probably should be and you can see from the grab i think what i like is So the XG is one thing, but the threat is always what I like to see because I think there's so much variance in where the ball drops and, yeah, the quality of chances, right? But the threat is like a constant wave of pressure. And you can see it the whole game. It was just Arsenal, and that's what I talk about. We were constantly playing in areas where they did not want us to be playing. Uh, And when when you're playing that way, you, by average, by law of averages, will either create chances or create errors. Uh, and that's what's encouraging for me. And it just felt like that game, once we were 2-0 up, it just felt like it was wave after wave after wave. And you can see it. There was another shoot up. I can't. My mind's gone blank on what the chance was just after the 15th minute. Was it maybe Jesus? Uh, Yeah, correct me. Uh, guys in the chat, uh, help me out if you can remember. Like, there's a big spike after the 15th minute of our XG, but my mind's gone completely blank on what the chance was. Um, but I feel like it might be Jesus' one. Although, I think had it counted, he would have been offside because I saw the though raise his flag pretty quickly. But um, yeah, you could just see it was 2-0, complete domination. We're playing in the right areas, whipping the ball about with ease, completely manipulating overloads everywhere. Uh, and then, yeah, Martinelli had his chance uh, where he hit the post. I can't believe I'm having such a mind blank on specific chances, but that's what happens sometimes. Uh, yeah, and then there's another shoot for Wolves, where they have a their XG goes through the roof, uh, and again, my mind's gone blank on what that was. But that first half for me was just an absolute clinic on everything that I want the Arsenal to be about defensively, just completely shut them off, like completely nullified them to creating any chances they had came through arsenal defensive mistakes more than them being able to play through us or anything. Um Uncle Mike said Trossard chance. Mate, I'm having a mind blown. What was was it that I thought the Trossard chance was like way in the second half, but no, you're right. It was when Trossard ran through, someone played the ball through to him and uh yeah, it was kind of 1v1 with the keeper, right? Yeah, thanks. Thanks Mike. Um that was it. Yeah, completely forgot about that one. Um But yeah, like I I was saying, this first half for me, just I felt proud. I really felt proud. This season, I haven't been loving the offensive play. And I get it, like the low blocks, the problems that we're up against. But I still think we have enough in us to be able to combat those threats in the game states. Um, Mike said, Sarr injured. Yeah, that's a good point. Obviously, he went off as well um, around the 23rd minute um but yeah it's what i thought was different in this game which uh, again guys tell me like if you felt the same although we tactically tweaked things and odegaard got more involved in the build-up play i didn't feel like we progressed the ball through rice as much in this game uh odegaard was then arriving deep uh, arriving from deep sorry into the final line I also thought tempo-wise we were moving the ball quicker and with more purpose in this game. It feels like a lot of this season, especially in the first phase, we kind of stand on the ball, we set, and then we go. But we don't go quickly. We kind of pass it around. It's like we're jabbing. And it felt like we had a bit more oomph in our jab in this game. And it felt like when we were reset- resetting, sorry, we were past the ball, but there was a purpose to it. There was a fizz and a again tell me what you guys think because that's how i felt watching the game i felt like we had a a 10 percent more energy in us uh, in the zip of our play <laughs> expert analysis there 10 percent energy in the zip of our play um but yeah that's how i felt um and i wish there was a statistic or a metric that could help measure that but that's genuinely what i felt uh and mike also says yeah i think it's the jesus factor i definitely think that, <coughs> excuse me that's kind of what i was alluding to at the start like I think Jesus being fully fit enable and, and Odegaard being fully fit at the same time enables us to completely transform the link between midfield and attack. Um, and I don't think Declan Rice is the best through the lines ball progressor, in my opinion. Um, and I think that helped facilitate the whole midfield dynamics differently. So yeah, loved it. Um, and then it's just a shame. Like you're 2 know up at half time. Uh yeah, absolutely. In cruise control, to be honest, their keep has gone off. Uh, and then we come out and we just I wouldn't say we took a foot off the gas, but you can see again from the XG from half time, it's pretty much flatlined. Uh, until we had a chance just before their goal, uh, where and then as soon as their goal goes in, we go and get a couple like amazing chances when Enketia's on, Trossard was coming in from the left, Odegaard played brilliant through balls uh and we should have got three or four in this game let's be real that's why i say 2-1 was very flattering but it didn't happen but um yeah all in all top 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 first half room for improvement in the second in my opinion i think we can do a lot of things better um in the way we manage the game and that's obviously something that sorry uh that's the thing with doing solo pods need to take a sip of water every now and then but um yeah, that's what Odegaard was referencing in his in his presser, right? Like, that should have been a game where we went for four or five and it didn't finish 2-1. And, yeah, that's something that we can work with. But overall, just feel very, very encouraged by what I saw offensively. And that's kind of what I want to touch on next, to be honest. Uh, the next graphic I've got is what we've not done in a while, but it's the passing networks. Uh, and the reason I ju- I'm not going to spend too long on this, I, d- I just wanted to call this out because, you know, when I said... I thought Wolves structurally were set up well it's because you look at the for, for podcast listeners if you look on the screen um their structure was good and I, I like Gary O'Neill and I think Mike you said it on the preview on Friday that he's just a good manager like tactically feels quite switched on and you look at the spacing and their structure in this game it was impressive but then you look at ours and it's even more impressive um you kind of got yeah Yeah, the the spacing and the pods that we had in this game with Jesus centrally, Odegaard really tying and knitting things together, Zinchenko, Rice, Martinelli as the outlet. Uh, It was really good stuff. So, yeah, it just felt like it was us back to our offensive best. But this is the good stuff. This is the one I want to bring on next. So, for podcast listeners, this is a graphic, again, from Mark R. StatsBot, Mark R. StatsBot, even. Uh, And it's a graphic that shows the volume of progression, both on a X and Y axis of carrying and passing. And this is one of those ones where I had a subjective opinion. And I'm glad that the data marries up with it, because like I said, I'm not just saying this now that I've seen this. I said this during the game with my mate. It felt to me that Arsenal were making a conscious effort to not progress the ball through Declan Rice from midfield as much as we've been used to. And like I've said, I believe he's got certain limitations in that uh, and his ability to do that and his ability to kind of create certain angles uh, and wiggle in tight spaces, punch the ball through. I'm not saying he can't break a line. Of course he can. But it's, I think, the frequency and the angles at which, with which he does it, which I think is the next iteration for him to develop. And you can see it from this uh, graphic that, sure, he's still up there, mostly for carrying uh, more than passing, Uh, but it's Odegaard that is, he's the one that, yeah, (laughs) if you're looking at progression via passing and he's on a, he's on a world of his own. So it looks like Declan Rice was uh, in between the number four and six and Odegaard is out above 10. Um, And that's definitely what married up with the eye test for me. I felt like Odegaard was dropping deeper, creating almost like a double pivot with Rice in periods where Odegaard would progress it, ping it out, create the little bubbles. Um, and that's what I think was fundamentally the difference in Arsenal looking like an offensive monster again on Saturday in the first half. Um, so I thought this was a really nice graphic that just illustrated what I believe uh, I was seeing with my own eyes, to be honest. So yeah, really wanted to include that. And then another one that... A comp- uh, accompanies that quite nicely is the uh zone 14 and half space passes from mark that spot uh for podcast listeners i'd recommend going and checking this uh so 20 uh, so we had 64 half space passes which is not normal that's a lot and 28 in zone 14 so again zone 14 is that area just outside the box so you you're in the half spaces. You want to try progress centrally, get into those, get into zone 14, and then that's where you can make the magic happen. And it felt like we were accessing those areas with ease on Saturday. That's what I meant. It was a combination of the fluidity and movement off the ball, combined with the crispness of our technical level and the way we we're pinging and zipping the ball around in tight space. It, it felt top quality, and I hope you can tell. Like there's a there's a different energy in me today because. Being completely transparent all season, I felt like defensively we're outstanding, but I didn't think the way we were playing offensively was sustainable, nor did I believe, nor was I in the camp, sorry, of it would just click. And I still don't believe it's a case of, oh, it's just clicked. I think we've tactically tweaked things because we've been struggling. And I feel like that's being overlooked a little bit. I think Jesus is being the facilitator for Odegaard to arrive from deep into the final line. And Odegaard has got involved deeper to facilitate things, doing what he does best, in my opinion. I don't think this is something that has just naturally clicked without any work. Um, Just my opinion on that stuff. But yeah, I thought this uh, illustrates quite nicely um, just how successful we were when we got into the final third. And yeah, like I said, just need to start making sure that we make... uh, better use of our territory in that area because we, we are capable of absolutely giving teams hidings and I think it's going to start coming you know I really do I think the recipe we've got right now of the defensive solidity and if we can mix that with what we know we're capable of offensively <sighs> I think we're going to send for a few teams I really do I, I think it. it yeah <laughs> I always do this I get so carried away one game at a time but i feel very 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 encouraged by what i've seen defensively this season but more married up with what i saw offensively on saturday i feel so encouraged by it um and then just final slides uh, by the way guys uh, i'm good for time so if there are any this is actually the last slide so if there are any questions uh, that you've got i know there's a few of you in uh, feel free to to send them in yeah i'm good for time today um But yeah, final slide I've got was, like I said, I I held back on talking about Odegaard in the uh, player-by-player bit at the start. I just thought it was an absolute masterclass and it was him at his absolute best. And in my opinion, him and Jesus together were the key reasons why offensively we looked like what you'd expect from Arsenal offensively, fluidity-wise. So on the graphic I've got on screen... Excuse me. Um, statistically, <laughs> 94 pass attempts, 81 completed passes, as an expected threat of 0.51 threat received, 0.22, and these are all. If you look on the on the graph, it's all in like the upper percentiles. Um, 0.22 threat received, 10.57 for progression via passing, 2.06 via carries, uh, which doesn't sound amazing, but on the previous graph, it was still fairly high up uh 7.74 for progression received and it just it felt like a, a just a hub for arsenal in this game uh really impressive performance and like i said the thing that i really want to keep drilling in is i don't believe this was like a, a just oh arsenal have clicked i believe it was putting people in the right zones to get the best out of them i don't as much as we look at odegaard as yeah he scored 15 premier league goals last season a few of them were from distance, of course, but his best attributes, in my opinion, if you want him to be a goal scoring midfielder, is to let him arrive from deep into the areas where he can find the space, attack it in the right optimal time to put the ball away, rather than him being an ever present fixed yeah, an ever present fixed player in that final line. I think he needs to be a facilitator from deep and then arrive. And that's what I thought we got him doing on Saturday. And I thought it was absolutely outstanding um so yeah that was uh i think the longest solo review i've done so um yeah give give me feedback on it how you thought it was um i can only learn from these right so uh yeah let me know um i don't ever take anything personally i know a few of you have loved them a few of them a few of you have given me really good constructive criticism so uh yeah you most of you know me personally i'm a very open book don't fake don't take things to heart so um yeah let me know what you think it was a bit different i actually went through and did all the statistical review stuff on my one on my once um rather than doing the kind of informal 15 20 minute uh off the cuff chat so yeah there's no questions in the chat so i will leave it there um like i said uh, at the start I, I hate doing this stuff but um it, it's a real time consuming thing for us to do these obviously we absolutely love them like talk about arsenal all day but um, obviously we've both got day jobs uh both got personal commitments outside of work and uh yeah so trying to fit it in especially this time of year it's chaos but we're enjoying it and we're finding it very rewarding and fulfilling um and love this little community we've built so drop the show a like and if ever you could share it on socials with arsenal friends you've got we'd always appreciate that um and if you're a new listener and you've enjoyed it Uh, Please hit, give the give the show a like. Hit, give the channel a sub subscribe. Oh fucking, I butchered that. Subscribe to the channel uh, so you don't miss future episodes. Uh, We're trying to up the content we do in the new year as well. Got some really cool ideas coming. So um, yeah, that's enough of the sales pitch from me. But uh, we are away at Luton tomorrow. So yeah, like I said, I'll get this out for people to listen. Uh, and then we'll prep for the Luton preview pod tomorrow afternoon. And then we'll review the game again Wednesday before previewing the Villa one on. Uh, sorry, no. Yeah, Friday. i uh, got my days jumbled up there. but Yeah, guys, thanks a lot for joining. Really appreciate it. Up the Arsenal. Top of the league. Uh, I feel like I didn't gloat enough about that. Um, and also, I just want to add in, I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought the City result was uh, perfect for us personally. If I'm being completely honest, I feel like a Tottenham win probably would have been best for us, but fuck that. Never want to never want to actually want them to win unless the title was literally like Tottenham win, we win the title. Um but yeah, I thought that was probably a good result for us. We're two points clear. Liverpool, oh, what a game that was. I, had, I so They're two points behind us and that's shaping up to be a huge game at Anfield. Um, at the end of the month. So, yeah, let's assess the landscape when we get there. But, yeah, for now, top of the league. Good chance to try and build on this. Got Luton away tomorrow. I'm not even going to think about Villa just yet. Let's just beat Luton uh, and then reassess come Saturday. But City are without Rodri and Grealish for Villa away. So, come on, Emery, do us a favour and then fucking bend over for us on Saturday. Up the Arsenal.